And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. Derek Van Riper, Bricciaroli, the King of Waffles, Eno Saris here with you on this Wednesday. Both series, the NLCS and the ALCS, got a lot more interesting on Tuesday. We, of course, will dig into that and we'll look ahead to today's two-game slate. Love these two-game slates, as I mentioned on Tuesday's show. Let's start with the Dodgers springing back to life in Game 3. I think Dave Roberts summed up the mood perfectly prior to the Cody Bellinger three-run homer. Quote, we were dead in the water. I think they were because everything was going Atlanta's way. There was a pretty pretty bad sequence in the fourth inning that allowed Atlanta to rally the way they did. I will, uh, I will share frustration with Walker Bueller about that. It didn't end up mattering in the end, but it looked like it was going to have a pretty big impact on the game at the time. So now that the Dodgers are alive and, and kicking again, uh, how excited are we about the remainder of this series? We had a feeling things could be like this, and this was the game they had to get with Bueller over Morton too. So uh, you know, first, your thoughts on on the Dodgers figuring it out yesterday. I was really surprised that Morton outpitched Bueller. But um, if you look at some of the underlying stats, Bueller has uh, his spin has been down. His max uh, velocity has been down. I think he's fatigued. Uh, you know, he had a big innings jump from last year to this year. He's not he's not, you know, a kid anymore, but it was a big innings jump. And I think he's a little bit gassed. Morton hit a higher velocity than Bueller, which is weird because we've seen Bueller hit 99s and 100s in the past. Uh, but, I, you know, once that happened, I was like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> you know, my whole theory of the game was Bueller's going to outpitch Morton and the Dodgers will be ahead when the players are out. And when that wasn't true uh, and the bats just kind of looked lackluster, um, I, and then I, and then the, really the way the seventh, eighth and ninth was going, like I, I saw Bellinger's name and I was just like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like him against Luke Jackson is not a good matchup. Luke Jackson throws a riding fastball high in the zone and, you know, a, a breaking ball at the knees and Bellinger has just been having a hard time with that combo this year. Uh, but, uh, he hit a ball at his nipples. I mean, he hit a ball at his neck. That was uh, that was a pretty impressive thing, and Andy McCullough has a whole piece today just about asking Cody, "How did you do that?" And Cody not really knowing how. So <laughs> anyway, it was a big moment, and uh, I do think things change a little bit here because Urias against the bullpen is another. I think that's a big advantage uh, for the Dodgers, and I think they're going to tie up the game, uh, the tie up the series tonight. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm going to hit you guys with like an interesting stat. So teams that. 
um, that are ahead two to one in the best of seven have gone on to win the series 101 of 143 times, 71%. However, only one team has erased that 3-0 deficit, which is the 2004 Red Sox, very famously. So the Dodgers' chances, uh, you kind of have to look at it now as probably glass half full because they're in that two to one category, not that 3-0. I was having a conversation yesterday with a baseball person, and, you know, it, it, it kind of piggybacks off what you said with Bueller being tired. We wondered all year last year how the 60-game season was going to affect these guys, and I think you're starting to see that across the sport because not only have they gotten through 162-game season, which they didn't have those workloads last year, now they're in the postseason where arms are usually dead and they're usually on fumes. And so I think that's happening not just to the Dodgers, but to a lot of these teams right now. You're seeing injury with Lance McCullers. You're seeing what happened with the Rays last series, just totally running out of steam. Um, and I wonder if it's – I'm certain it's probably a confluence of factors, but I'm wondering how much that plays into what we're seeing here in this postseason. And we touched on this yesterday, the fact that there's only been two quality starts. I'm in Boston. We put that game on in maybe the third inning, I want to say, in the, the media workroom. And Walker Bueller – was like not in the game and I was like wait what like they're already in their bullpen and we talked about this yesterday how Bueller was so good and you know Morton's been good in the playoffs but you know you, you guys kind of said we got we got to go with Bueller he's going to be better and I just wonder if these guys are just straight up tired at this point in time I think there's probably a lot of that this time of I year never thought I'd hear Max Scherzer said his arm was dead yeah that's what made me really think about that is he's a guy who doesn't say that kind of stuff. Yeah. Who wants to pitch game seven of the world series when he can't move his neck. Yeah. Well, turn to the side. So I started to kind of wonder, he's a guy who prepares to the upteenth degree, right? So if he's saying that, what do you think all these other guys feel like? This is always, as you know, you guys know, this is always a time where you're tired, but based on last year, and I'm curious and, and maybe, you know, we can dive into this, this off season, but how much did that 60 game season impact what we're seeing this year? There's already a record in soft tissue injuries. How much did that impact these guys in these arms? You know, I think it's really interesting, too, because if you're watching a postseason, you're always, um, I, I think, across the sport being like, what can I learn from this postseason? Like, what what strategy do I have to implement next year to, to win like the Red Sox are winning or whatever, you know? Um, and uh, the thing that I could come up with was um, – Maybe like the Astros should have piggybacked Greinke and Javier in the in September, so that both of them were up to like sixty pitches, right? Because I keep looking at Tanner Houck and Nick Pavetta and saying, you know, I, I think there's uh, there was probably at least one person in the Red Sox organization that was like, I don't know if these, one of these guys is gonna if one or both of these guys is gonna be on the playoff roster, right? Like I, that, I don't think they trusted Pavetta totally. You know, it was like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's like one of the last guys on the roster. He's been huge, and I think part of why he's been huge is he has 80 pitches in his bag, you know? Like, he can go that far. And so I think, you know, the Rays might have made a, a small mistake with uh, trading Hill or and or leaving Yarbrough off the roster. I think the Dodgers uh, could have done some piggybacking if they weren't necessarily going for the division so hard. So, you know, there's – do you need to win to get in uh, factors? There's uh, do you have six or seven guys that you can stretch out to 60 uh, pitches? Um, and then there's how much of this year is just a weird anomaly based on the fact that, you know, we had the short season last year and all these guys are gassed, you know, 
You, maybe Greinke in a regular season could go more than 40. By the way, he went 37. <laughs> so we were right. He went 37. That's all we had. He's wanted four innings. He went four outs. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, he went 37 pitches, right? They're open for an efficient four innings, I guess. But we're we're leaving the the rundown here. I can sense anxiety from DVR. He looks very serene. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, we're I... supposed to be talking about Dodgers, right? We, we, it does order doesn't matter. We're just having a nice conversation. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that really jumps off the page to me too, just seeing it. I, this is why I love the savant box scores. Seeing the hard hit balls against Walker Bueller in a three and two thirds inning outing. I mean, fire emojis everywhere. And of course, it's not good to see those in the pitcher's column. Nine hard hit balls against Walker Bueller. I know that bad call got in his head. You could see how he was reacting to it. Things spiraled a bit on him there. I think there was only one out when that happened, though. So he wasn't out of the inning with that. It's a little bit different than what happened in the ninth inning in the ALCS game with Evaldi, where that pitch, that looked like a strike. I know the strike zone boxes on TV are not perfect. That's why after the game, the scorecard said it was a strike, too. Yeah, I I think there were. Curveball. I mean, it was high. It was high. Supposedly in the strike zone. The overhead cam was perfect, though, for it because the ball came into the area of the plate and crossed the plate. Like in in the strike zone, it was, one it was bit, a clear strike. One bit that I know about human umpires versus robot umpires is that robot umpires will call that pitch a strike much more often, and that human umpires don't call the pitch that comes back to the strike zone as often as they should. So front door two seamers pitches that like are balls that come back to strike very late, uh, those don't get called very often. So yes, he made a mistake, but that's also a pitch that doesn't get called very often by a human umpire. Yeah, no, it's 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 just unfortunate given the implications that eventually had. But I mean, Charlie Morton struggled with walks in a huge way. He had six walks in this. Four of them, I think, were in the second inning alone, and he still managed to go five. Like wobbling like that, but keeping your balance and getting through that many innings for this team with the Braves facing a bullpen game today, that was huge. And I, I don't really know what the script was going to be for Atlanta if Morton left that game in the second inning or left that game in the third, right? There's so much more uh, going in their favor pitching-wise simply because Morton was able to right the ship. Even though they lost game three, the fact that he was able to get out of those early control woes and at least get through five, that actually may have saved them a bit for this game here on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, the the thing with Atlanta, and by the way, it must have been the fourth inning they put the game on at Fenway. Whatever inning it was, Bueller was out, and I was shocked. But... The thing with Atlanta that kind of gives me solace, I think, if you're if you're rooting for them, is they're hitting. And the Astros, until the ninth inning, you couldn't have said the same. So they can kind of cover. Say they have a bullpen game today. Their offense is clicking enough that you feel like, hey, maybe they have a shot, right? Because they've been able to keep constant pressure on the Dodgers. And so I think that's important to know here as we, as we talk about the pitching. And obviously that's really important to how the series is going to go. But I think what's been really impressive has been Atlanta's lineup. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, and Austin Riley again um, comes up for them. Dansby Swanson's had a great uh, series for them, and really great postseason. Um, we talked about Freddie Freeman struggles. Obviously, they're missing on Macuna Jr., but their lineup is hitting. And if Houston, and I know we'll get to them, I know I'm skipping ahead on the rundown, but Houston hasn't been hitting up until that ninth inning. And so if Houston can hit, this is a series, right? And that's mm-hmm. the reason why with Atlanta, I still feel like they can make this a series because they have scored off some really good Dodgers pitching 
and they've had some really good at bats so far in the series. So is this going to be a mano a mano lineup game? Maybe, right? Um, I don't know how Urias is going to pitch. He's not an opener, right? Today, this is a straight start for him. I think so, yeah. Thing. Um, but how deep will he go? How deep can he go? He's kind of been jerked around a little here. Um, they always seem to use them a little bit less in the postseason than they did in the regular season. Yeah, I would expect yeah. like four or five tops, but right. Mm. So I was really impressed with Morton because you know, uh, he doesn't really use that split finger very often, and I feel like we saw it more often in that game once he started struggling because he was like, I just need to throw something that has a different look and goes the other way because they're kind of what they were doing, I think, was really taking a lot of his curveballs on the outside part, the righties were. I think you saw Mookie Betts uh, with a couple of big takes uh, on that curveball. And I think that's uh, that demonstrates a little bit what Morton was talking to me in the late season when he said uh, he feels he has more leeway with the curveball to lefties than righties. Because I think when he throws the curveball to lefties back foot, it looks like a strike to them, right? It's, it's kind of like up there, it's up, and it's like in. And it, it looks like a strike, and then it disappears, and they swing over it. Uh, but they feel like they need to swing at it. A righty, if you throw that curveball to the outside corner, a lot of them just say, mm, that doesn't look good. You know, even if it does hit the strike zone, it's it's way out there. It's not, it's it's his pitch. It's not my pitch. Um, and so, you know, I think their idea was we're just gonna take those pitches. And I think righties taking curveballs on the outside part of the plate was a big part of all those walks. So he started throwing the splitter into to righties. Uh, you know, that's it's weird. Like you usually think of Oh, the changeup. Go to the changeup more because the lefties are hitting you. No, he went to the changeup in the zone to righties because it was a pitch that had action towards them and uh, they couldn't take it because it looked like a strike. So I thought uh, that was some gritty stuff from Morton and just uh, just really out there and really great. But um, yeah, you know, they, they could steal this this game from Urias uh, with, with some hitting, but I really expect uh, the, the, the Dodgers to tie it up today. And then... Scherzer in five, right? In game yeah, five? Yeah. Yeah. So then you you kind of think the Dodgers go up three two. Do you? Because Max had a dead arm. That's true. And even the you know, even his good starts have been like four innings and stuff. Yeah, he seems kind of tired now after a really big stretch when they first acquired him. So yeah, I don't know. I think this game's a coin flip. I think the rest of the series is kind of a coin flip. I think tonight in particular is a coin flip. Um, started, that's my boy. I mean, <laughs> again, the way the pitching has gone, I don't, I don't think you can say that. Oh, this oh, is look out. at that! We got a, it's a bullpen game in Game Five, so yes, I think I would go Dodgers uh, tonight, Braves tomorrow night, and then uh, Dodgers in six. So yeah, seven. Who's Dodgers game seven. Well, the Dodgers are minus two twenty-five today. By the way, on the money line, just for reference. So yeah, they're they're a favorite. they're a pretty big favorite, relatively speaking. What were they yesterday? Good question. I didn't look yesterday. I think also the first two games of the series, they've been probably favored every game. I mean, yesterday <laughs> some of them were closer. Arias versus a bullpen game. That's going to be a much bigger line, I think, than what we had yesterday with Morton going up against Bueller. Like, yeah, the Dodgers were favored yesterday, probably minus 160 or something closer to that. If I had to, if I had to guess, if I, if I were making the line retroactively, which is of absolutely, <laughs> I think it was no even value. closer than that. If I remember. Oh, that would be a time. Oh yeah. You know, you do yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, you know, wrote about it. Yeah. Here you go. About once minus 175, according to Todd, yeah. the live stream. So, okay. More, more right. in line with that, but a bullpen game in game five for the Dodgers. 
I'm going to be honest. I'm turning into an old man. I don't like bullpen games in the playoffs. I, I'm bothered by it. I, I don't care when you go to your pen necessarily. Like if your starter doesn't have it, sure, you want to give them the hook in the third inning, fine. Then it turns into a bullpen game, the planned bullpen game. It's just kind of demoralizing for me because I'm not as excited about a planned bullpen game. The, the starting pitcher is the name in the lights. You know, yeah. it's the marquee. It's like, it, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a pitching dork, but like it's, you know, when I'm looking through probables, like during the regular season, what should I be watching right now? It's almost always decided by who's pitching. Agreed. Agreed. You guys want to hear my wild idea? Um, to to disincentivize bullpen games? No, not disincentive. I mean, yes, they one, but two, the, what we're doing now is the starting pitcher used to pitch the entire game, right? That was his role. So why can't MLB, why can't baseball dictate that unless it's an injury situation, the starting pitcher has to go five innings or six innings? Just in the sport in general, I realize this would have massive implications, but let's not act like it's not feasible. Mm-hmm. Now, now you watch how guys are all of a sudden trained to go 110, 120 pitches. Now you watch how teams draft, develop, and scout put together teams a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also then we get rid of these ridiculously long playoff games like they're not fun to watch it's interesting i mean it's less fun innings i want to watch my guy against your guy and i want to watch that for a little while you can get to the turbo bullpens later this is my crazy idea that i know would have a ton of implications but unless there's an injury that's it what do you guys think of that it's intense actually i'm i I, (laughs) normally i like to have fewer rules that limit the different ways that you can win Right. So when I hear that rule, I say, ooh, the Rays would really hurt from this one. Would it though? Because I covered the Rays in 08 and they had starters and they went to the World Series. Right. The Rays can develop pitching. Would it really hurt the Rays? Last year they had a bunch of five, six inning guys. Yeah, I guess so. Starters are expensive because Not they can go. Within, but they've always just got them from within and then traded them away. Right. Their park is built better. They're actually at an advantage in this kind of rule. They're, you know, it what, like I like, not. Yeah, what I like about your rule, too, is it's way, it's way more direct. Uh, there are other rules about like limiting the number of pitchers, um, which gets at the pitching change idea. But um, this one's just like, no, your starter has to go five. That's it. Your starter has to go five unless he's injured. That's it. That and get in the box. And I think you have solved the. How many, how many teams would be like, oh, he's injured? Well, if he's injured, he has to go on the like. He, that's it. Like automatic IL stint. Yeah, you got to go on the yeah. IL. But there are injuries where they're just like he's going to miss his next start. Okay, then he misses his next start. You still need a guy the next day to go. You want to blow your bullpen up? That's fine. That's on you, I guess. You still need a guy the next day to go. You can't it'd be very obvious if teams kept using that rule. Kept doing that. <laughs> Mitch on the live stream. I'd rather not watch the Orioles be forced to throw a pitcher for 170 pitches. Yeah, well, uh, that would be the concern is people would claim like health and stuff. But um, I'm sorry, like we are cha- We fundamentally have changed the role of a starting pitcher, right? It's like, what if all of a sudden we used a catcher per inning? People would be like, "That's nuts." The position of catcher is to catch a game. Well, the position of a starting pitcher is to start the game. Is to set the tone and go deep into the game. They used to pitch the entire game. Now we're having bullpen game. It just, it just, there has to be a way to stop the madness. And the only way to do it is like a direct cutthroat rule. Jonathan's point is good too. Oh, I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, Roger threw this out there. This is something I think Jason Stark wrote about maybe a year or so ago. If, if you have universal DH, but you lose the DH when you take the starting pitcher out of the game, that changes a, a lot about how early you're willing to yeah. pay More that of penalty. Like a incentive structure, right? It's like yeah. the incentive of keeping this hitter in. It's just like people keep saying like, oh, the 2019 Nationals ruined everything because they used starting pitchers on their throw days. And the Red Sox did the same thing in 18. Those teams still had starting pitchers. People forget that Davey Martinez left his starters in a lot when people were like clamoring third time through the lineup, seventh inning. He left these guys in. So and until you have that scenario, which is not what we have now, we have the opposite of that. We have guys who, as soon as it becomes like the bullpen might slightly be better, everyone is so quick to, to push the bullpen maneuver. It seems like everyone would rather say, hey, we went with a fresh arm and we lost that, hey, we trusted our starter for another inning. And it just, in my opinion, needs to change because it's not as entertaining to watch. Yeah, I mean, oh, I like the, the pitch Todd, counts. Here's Todd. Todd comments pretty funny. Yeah, players, pitchers used to go full seven eights with players <laughs> used to drink and something. You know what, Todd? Who says they don't anymore? <laughs> I like, uh, and then Jonathan's comment about the Rays. It's a good point. You know, uh, this would be a rule, and then you know, you just it'd be on the better teams to try and figure out uh, how to win with the rule in place. And then hopefully, the Rays would churn out ten guys who could throw five innings. I have no doubt. Yeah, yeah, and some of that's just getting. How about know, Michael's comment? Pitch more often about and pushing I, through here. I'm waking up the chat with my wild idea this morning. Uh, well, hey, yeah, it's working. Yeah, Michael's idea also does that incentivize a starting pitcher to push through a sore hamstring and actually blow out his leg, shoulder, elbow. I mean, yeah, if you've got a minor injury, you're trying to get through it. Maybe save your team, avoid the IL. You end up hurting yourself worse. That's a possibility. That, that's a thing that could happen. That would not be great. And we're yeah, generally trying to stop it. No penalty. There's no penalty on taking a guy out for an injury. No, no. But here's the thing. There okay. is a penalty. You lose him for 10 days. You wouldn't have to put him on the IL in this scenario. You would just have to pull him out for an injury situation. Maybe somebody independent would have to verify. The, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. It would work the same. It works now. People abuse the IL. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's already a problem. We've seen teams expand their roster in a variety of, of creative ways. So all three of us are on the Dodgers. You mandate that they miss the next start. That's true. Yeah. You put that in the rule. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know it's a crazy idea. I'm just like, I can't think of They need something to start because the minimum batter stuff doesn't work. Yeah. Are we all on the Dodgers today with the Atlanta bullpen game scenario, by the way? I am. Yeah. 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 I still think the Braves win in seven, but yeah. I think you, you could you could you could write a story where the Rays win in seven pretty easily because you you have the Dodgers win tonight, lose tomorrow, win the max start, and lose game seven. Mm-hmm. Because I don't even road. know who starts game seven. Is it Walker on short rest again? I don't know, but the Braves would have what Freed in six. He just started, so you'd have games four and five in a rest day, and six. Oh, Walker on 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 full rest. In seven, I think it'd be maybe Walker Morton Redux. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're right. And so Freed would win six, and so it would. I think it goes to a seven. Yeah. So we'd have Scherzer winning game six. Well, to, to make it even three three, and then then Morton Walker again. We'll get there. So it look it. I, I took the Dodgers down 2-0. I'm happy I did it. I feel a lot better about it today than I did at the time <laughs> that I did it. That's uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But we all left the Astros. Yeah. Well, and now they're tied to two, right? They are knotted up at two. So a big seven run ninth after a Jose Altuve game tying home run in the eighth off of Garrett Whitlock. That was a big one. That was a two out rally that occurred, as we mentioned earlier, after what looked like a called strike three from Evaldi to Castro that would have ended the inning. That was a huge call. And. Yeah, you, no, no guarantees that Boston comes up and, and gets the game-winning run and they go on to win the game anyway, but that was a big spot for a, a bad call. Uh, obviously, we, we know this Houston team can score runs in bunches. It was only a matter of time. I wondered if they'd rally back from a big deficit earlier in the series. They didn't, but they came through and woke up at the right time. And I think the, the biggest takeaway, aside from the fact that they ended up tying up the series, the next thing for me is how does this impact Evaldi in future games because it wasn't just 15 pitches on the throw day. It was like 24 and it was definitely a high stress appearance. So is there going to be some of that carryover effect? Like we talked about with Max Scherzer is Evaldi going to go out there on his next scheduled start and have 70% of his stuff and have to leave the game after four innings because he's just not quite himself. Fair. I mean, to me, the story of that game is Houston's bullpen, which like when Granky came out after four outs, I was I was like, well, here we go again. Like I think everyone kind of thought that the Red Sox were going to beat up on Houston. And the, 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 the Diaz call is going to get a ton of publicity, and rightfully so. However, the Red Sox offense with 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position stranded, I think, double-digit runners on base. So they had opportunities. They just couldn't cash in. And to me – is that the game that kind of wakes up the Astros offense? Because we really haven't seen that much from them, their lineup since the Chicago series. Maybe, uh, you know, that it guarantees it goes back to Houston where they play better, um, where they're in a less hostile environment. Um, the Red Sox crowd has certainly brought it here um, over the, the last two nights. I expect tonight will be no different. Um, but all of a sudden, it seems like, oh, why did we write the Astros as dead? Well, I still don't think their pitching is going to hold up That's, over yeah. the long haul, right? That's still probably the concern, though now at least we have a series. Well, Javier shoved, and we we did mention that, uh, that you know, they saved Javier and Graveman and Presley. Um, and they, I those through. Didn't Presley throw in the last? No, they, they saved them two Stanek. days ago. They actually yeah. thrown Stanek. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're saying they saved them two days ago so they could use them yesterday and today. Like, that was... That was exactly. what they did yeah. well. well. Anyway, calling back to an old conversation. But anyway, they, they to some extent saved uh, – they definitely saved Javier, and they, to some extent, saved uh, Graven and Presley for this game. Um, and uh, Javier came through. was great. Javier's only real issue is, is the command, and it didn't seem like a big problem yesterday. 
the problem that I think you alluded to that that we still have is that what's the what's the pitching path forward like? It still seems like a mess. Uh, you know, unless Garcia comes off the mat, uh, you know, and Fromber shoves. Even if both of those things happen, what happens after that? Is it just a, a Javier start? You know, in Game Seven. Oh, you don't want to throw Grinky out there again? I mean, he didn't get a single single strike. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, a pretty ugly performance from him. But we were hoping for three. We got one in the third. I think you go back to Javier as long as you possibly can in game seven if it gets out that far. And I, I think you may have to go there sooner, depending on Garcia, which is not ideal because he threw 57 pitches yesterday. So I, I think there are some pretty significant questions to be answered with this group, and they may have to go outside the roster. If Garcia's knee is not healing up, they'd have to do something a little more drastic, which puts a ton of pressure on someone we haven't seen to bring a lot of innings. So uh, that's definitely a big part of, of the equation. It's almost just, are they going to out-hit their pitching? Can they? Of course they can. They've got the best offense in the league when everything's working. Top to bottom yesterday, I think everybody, every spot in the lineup had at least a, had one hard-hit ball for the Astros because Jason Castro came in and got a couple. So one through nine, everyone had a hard hit ball. That's the type of offense they are when things are working. Today, the Castro hit in particular was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, today with Chris Sale going, we've we've been flummoxed, I would say, by Sale throughout the postseason, expecting more than what he's been able to give us, even if he's not himself. Has anything changed? Have you seen any reason to believe that that Sale's going more than three today? Which is it's just. I, I feel like um, I've completely lost it even suggesting this, but what what is going on here and, and how how would you handle this with Chris Sale? Would you actually do something different? Would you change your mind and throw an opener in front of him and bring him in second, third, and fourth instead to maybe get the matchups you want? I mean, what what can you do to make Chris Sale more effective? I mean, they did that to Urias, and I love Urias, and Urias is the, all the numbers are great, you know? Why not do it to Sale, who's coming back from injury, and the numbers aren't that great on his stuff, you know? Well. I like that idea. I mean, I do too, but who do you open with? <laughs> yeah. Whitlock or something. I don't know. You Whitlock, did, I mean. Yeah, I know. Adovino? Huh? How about Adovino for the opener? Not bad. Not bad. Uh, um, it's the best this, I can do. I think you're only going to get three out of, out of sales. So you were going to pitch out of, you know, anyway. So why not pitch out of, you know, in the first, you don't know if guys are creatures of habit, maybe sale really likes starting games. Maybe, you know, really, does. I don't know. Right. Um, I think it's also interesting to wonder, like, is this just what sale is now? Or is like, is everything going to be better next year? I think this is pretty typical post TJ first Few months usually back isn't command. the same. Usually it's command that's affected, not necessarily stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's too soon to run him off. I would like to see a full season off season of rest and like a nice progression of third spring training, right? Yeah, probably, yeah. A lot of that. Um, but I agree with you guys on the, the outing tonight. Like I don't think it's crazy, right? We got a bull we've got like a bullpen game in, in the Braves, and then we've got like sale and, and the Astros piecing stuff together. And again, it's no team really has this like no team is, is immune from this, I guess. And I just wonder where the game goes from here, but yeah, with sale, as Eno mentioned, I think the other day when he ramps it up, his stuff gets worse. Like when the velocity gets better, he's not as effective. So mm-hmm. 
you kind of have to hope he lives in that middle ground and, and maybe goes through the lineup one time. They haven't they haven't used Hauk much in the series yet, right? Just like once. Yeah. I don't think we've seen much Hauk so far. Yeah. So well, I think it's actually it's maybe. actually kind of amazing. It's a sale Hauk piggyback. And Sale and Hauk are like the same guy from opposite sides. So it's it, it could actually work really well. It's just you wish you could almost like put Sale up there for the lefties and then put Hauk up there. I mean, you put Hauk up there for the righties and Sale. We're trying to fix the pitching problems. Yeah, right? not just like <laughs> not put pitchers back in and back. But they could like, wouldn't it be funny to see like Chris Sale like run out to left field and Hauk comes in for a string of righties and then Chris Sale comes back? <laughs> At least that would be funny. <laughs> it'd be funny the first time it happened and then it'd be a thing that would make us very angry I think very quickly but yeah, the true. we haven't seen Hauk since game one uh, of yeah, the ALCS so Hauk is, is in there tonight and he's fully rested too it was only one inning that he threw back in game one so he could I bet give you them as many warm, innings as he's effective in the first. <laughs> yeah. yeah it could be the, the comments about Forrest Whitley in the live stream are, are funny. Roger, maybe the Astros have been slow playing Forrest Whitley. Jonathan, severely slow playing Whitley. The long con. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, if, if you'd said two years ago the Astros are going to be in the postseason, they're going to have some pitching issues, who's going to step up for them? Oh, of course, Forrest Whitley is going to be there contributing. It's kind of the same as Mackenzie Gore in San Diego where it's like. Yeah, I just thought of Mackenzie Gore. I saw Mackenzie Gore blowing 95 in the fall league. Oh, yeah, I heard he looked better. He's yeah, real. He's still he's there. 95. I'm glad he's glad he's pitching well and looking pretty good. Yeah, Whitley still has a chance someday. Not now, not in this postseason. <laughs> so with the Fromber Sale situation and all the things we're talking about, Hauk being fully rested, who do you like today in Game Five in the ALCS? We'll go to you first, Britt. I think Boston wins today. Um, this is almost like a must-win if you think about how the how Boston's lined up and their home their last home game. Before it goes to Houston. So I think Boston's going to win this game. Um, it may go seven, though. I can see the Astros winning that first game back at home and forcing the seventh. But I, I think the Red Sox are going to win tonight. You know? I just checked my picks and I uh, picked the Astros. So uh, Astros. Wait, who's the starting pitching matchup tonight? Is it the Fromber one? It's the Fromber sale matchup. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, going, I'm going Astros. I just think that Frommer can go longer. Uh, I think they would might they might touch sale before Hauk comes in, uh, and then Hauk, you know, Hauk is great, but uh, he against lefties it's a little bit rough. So I think Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley uh, will be really tough matchups for Hauk. So you know, th- this Astros lineup is so great because there's really good players on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't really just be like, oh, if I've got a, a lefty on the mound, you know, we'll shut down Alvarez and, you know, nothing will happen on the other side. Well, there's Altuve and Correa on the other side. So, you know, and Bregman. So, you know, I think uh, I think that this is a, a tough matchup uh, for the Red Sox today and have the Astros winning. I'll take the Red Sox side of this. I don't know how they're going to do it with, with Sale being responsible for Six two nine outs at the beginning, but I think Hauk's going to come through and shove. And I don't, I don't know if something's wrong with with Fromber. He hasn't hasn't been untouchable in the playoffs this year. I mean, only two and two thirds back in game one of this series didn't he's pitch only a very well. Pitcher, I mean, yeah, didn't pitch well against the White amazing. Sox in the DS either. I, I think maybe this is a guy that Boston can get to, even though he can give the Astros much needed length if it's going well. If he's Finding the corners, keeping the ball on the ground the way he does. I I, I see the path for him to be good, but he just hasn't been that guy so far in the postseason. 
I know uh, team, I don't like to use these so much, these team pitch type values that tell you how good a team is against a certain pitch. Uh, but I remember the, um, the White Sox are really good against the uh, curveball. And uh, let me see how that works out for the Red Sox. So against the curveball, the White Sox were second in baseball, and the Red Sox were fifth. There you go. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they're gonna they're gonna get to values. And I didn't even get that granular with it. I just thought eh, it just hasn't hasn't been the guy we saw in the postseason a year ago. Last year looked yeah. almost untouchable in the playoffs. Has been uh, much more human. Uh, this time around. Any other closing thoughts before we go? Uh, I'm glad they made it tighter. You know, I think everything is a little bit more exciting today than it was yesterday. Yeah, yep. I'd agree with that. For the, for the casual fan, you know, apologies to whoever's got real skin in the game. You know? <laughs> That's like, you're just like, shut up, you know. <laughs> yeah, I am more relaxed. Loss, you ass. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely more relaxed now than I was uh, when the Brewers were still in it. So, you know, always yeah. a silver lining, I guess. No, not really. I, I enjoyed that sweat uh, in, in every imaginable way. Uh, lots of good stuff on the site. You can get 50% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Get uh, Britt's piece about the Mets search for a new GM. That is up. Eno had a piece looking at the Dodgers and the new slider that they appear to have found or the work they're doing with their pitchers to develop new sliders, at least, which is really interesting. So be sure to check those pieces out, plus everything else on the site, all included theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. We, of course, are back here at 11.30 a.m. Eastern each weekday. You can find us on Twitter. He's at Eno Saris. I am at Brit Under... I am at Derek and Riper. She is at Brit <laughs> underscore Giroli. Be sure to barrel up on that like button. Yeah, I don't know what day it is, but thanks for listening to Rates and Barrels. We are back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.